Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Bible Reading Podcast, episode number 94. What is the fear of the Lord? It's not like real fear, is it? So happy Wednesday, friends. Today is officially episode 94, but only because I messed up yesterday and skipped a number, and I'm not able to really go back in and correct that. Therefore, episode 92 never officially existed, or maybe it did and had the eight secrets of humanity in it, but the Illuminati got a hold of it and deleted it. The Illuminati, they're always messing up things like podcasts in the world and stuff, alas. Speaking of numbers, today is day number 15 of shelter in place for us in central California. I heard a lot of criticisms around the country, some of them kind of extreme and honestly a little absurd, and even some calling for violence for that move when it happened, but it actually seems to have kept cases on a lower level here for now, which I think is actually a blessing. I'll be honest with you, I never thought I'd see the day when I would defend a broad-reaching government order to stay sheltered in place, but the world has gone mad, so there you go. I had the privilege today of talking on the phone with a first responder firefighter who is also a daily listener to this show, so shout out to you, my friend and brother Rooster. Very interesting conversation. He told me all of the precautions and such that first responders and firefighters are having to take now in the midst of this coronavirus catastrophe, and it was pretty extreme to hear. These are really unnerving times for all of us. I want to encourage you and me to pray for our first responders, our firefighters, our medics, and police officers. Of course, keep praying for our nurses and doctors and other medical care and support staff. Double shout-outs to all of you guys and ladies who are on the front lines of this scary situation. May the Lord bless you and keep you and shine his grace and favor on you. Thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of the hearts uh, from the rest of us. Today's Bible passages are Leviticus 4, Psalms 1 and 2, Proverbs 19 and Colossians 2. Our focus passage today is actually just a focus verse, but it's a big one. It's Proverbs 19 verse 23. The fear of the Lord leads to life and one will sleep at night without danger. So let's talk about the fear of the Lord, shall we? We haven't focused much on Proverbs so far in this pod, but this is an excellent place for us to begin. And it's an excellent time right now for us to discuss the fear of the Lord. I suspect that if you could measure the net amount of fear in the world by some sort of tangible measurement, uh, and I just invented one, the gigaphobe, then I believe that the amount of fear in the world and the amount of fear in the United States of America right now hasn't been higher in any other time in my lifetime. People were shook in America during and shortly after the 9-11 attacks. But there was also a great confidence that our nation's military and leadership would be able to battle back against terroristic attacks and better defend the country. I think people are more shook now, I perceive, by this coronavirus threat, primarily because our best minds and our best leaders and all of our money has been of no avail to us at this point. And yet, one of the most common and repeated commands of the Bible is to fear not, don't be afraid. Conversely, one of the most commonly repeated commands of the Bible is also to fear the Lord. 
In this paradox, we find some important wisdom that I believe Jesus beautifully and terrifyingly sums up for us in Matthew 10, 28-31, which is a passage we've referred to more than once. Don't fear those, says Jesus, who kill the body but are not able to kill the soul. Rather, fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Aren't two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them falls to the ground without your father's consent. But even the hairs of your head have all been counted. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. So to sum up what Jesus is saying, don't fear murders and scary things. Don't fear diseases and illnesses. Do fear God the Father. But overall, don't be afraid. Interesting advice and kind of paradoxical at first glance. Looking back at our Proverbs, it is also a bit paradoxical, isn't it? It seems about it seems a bit self-contradictory to say that the fear of the Lord will lead to life and will help you sleep well at night. Uh, Because that's not what fear normally does. Usually fear keeps you up at night. But yes, that's precisely what the fear of the Lord does. It brings peace. It brings good sleep. It brings comfort. And that brings us to our main question. What exactly does it mean to fear the Lord? I'm glad you asked. I've heard preachers and pastors over the years try to explain the fear of the Lord in terms of respect or obedience or reverence, and all of those are definitely aspects or facets of the fear of the Lord, but are we actually supposed to be afraid of the Lord? In answering the question, let's begin with the Hebrew word used in this passage. It's the Hebrew word yerah. It is a noun, but in terms of etymology, it is from a Hebrew word which means, huh? to be afraid. Most of the time when this word is used in the Old Testament, and it's used a lot, it's used in the context of the fear of the Lord, so those passages don't exactly illuminate the type of fear of God that are we are to walk in. Is it more like a respect or is it more like a real genuine fear? Psalm 55, 5, however, does give us a pretty good idea what the word itself means. Psalm 55, 4 and 5 says, my heart shudders within me, Terrors of death sweep over me. Fear, that's the word, and trembling grip me. Horror has overwhelmed me. So right there he says, Yerah and trembling grip me, says the psalmist. Horror has overwhelmed him. I'd say that's a pretty good indication that the fear of the Lord means exactly like what it sounds like it means. Now, the fear of the Lord is also mentioned several times in the New Testament, such as in Acts 9.31, where it says, The church throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit and increased in numbers. There's that paradox again. That's almost contradictory statement. How can you live in the fear of the Lord and at the same time be encouraged by the Holy Spirit? Second Corinthians 5.11, Paul says, therefore, since we know the fear of the Lord, we try to persuade people. The Greek word there in both cases and other places where it talks about the fear of the Lord of the New Testament is Phobos. And it's the same word used famously in Luke chapter 2, verse 9, of the shepherds keeping watch over the flocks. The glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore 
phobos. They were sore afraid. At least grammatically, the word fear in the phrase fear of the Lord means precisely what it seems to mean, fear. So how can this be a good thing to be afraid of God? Well, let's look at some of the Proverbs on the fear of the Lord and kind of wrestle with this question. And then we'll kind of close by talking about how the fear of the Lord is in fact a good thing and a comfort to us. So here's 10 rapid fire verses on the wisdom uh, of the fear of the Lord. Psalm 111 verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his instructions have good insight. Psalm 19.9 says, The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are reliable and altogether righteous. Psalm 128.1-4 How happy is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children like young trees around your table. In this very way, the man who fears the Lord will be blessed. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and discipline, says Proverbs 1.7. Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Proverbs 10.27, the fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked are cut short. Proverbs 14, 26 through 27. In the fear of the Lord, one has a strong confidence and his children have a refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, turning people away from the snares of death. Proverbs 14, 26 through 27. Proverbs 16, 6. Iniquity is atoned for by loyalty and faithfulness, and one turns from evil by the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 31, 30. Charm is deceptive and beauty is Fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord will be praised. Finally, Ecclesiastes 12.1. When all has been heard, the conclusion of the matter is this. Fear God and keep his commandments because this is for all humanity. So that's quite a bit of scripture. Do you notice how often the fear of the Lord is connected with fleeing from evil and being protected by God? Here's what I think is going on. Consider these four Proverbs out of dozens. Proverbs 11.4. Wealth is not profitable. Profitable on a day of wrath, but righteousness rescues from death. Proverbs 11.8, the righteous one is rescued from trouble. In his place, the wicked one goes in. Proverbs 12.7, the wicked are overthrown and perish, but the house of the righteous will stand. Proverbs 14.11, the house of the wicked will be destroyed, but the tent of the upright will flourish. There are dozens and dozens more proverbs like this. Beyond question, the teaching of the Bible is that God protects the righteous. In Christ, we're not not made righteous by our own acts, but by the sinless perfection of Jesus. That doesn't mean, however, as Paul is quick to note, that Christians have a license to sin. God forbid. Old Testament followers of God were called to righteousness and were protected when they obeyed and pursued the Lord. The same is true for New Testament believers. We are not saved by works of righteousness, but by Jesus. That said, however, sin is still a deadly danger to New Testament Christians. One that modern Western Christians, especially in America, have not paid nearly enough attention to. James is very stark in his warning when he says, Each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desire. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, it gives birth to death. That's scary. As I've told you before, 
I don't know why this plague of coronavirus is shaking the world. I am confident, however, in how we should respond to it, and I believe that this response is from the Lord and what His Holy Spirit right now is saying to the churches. We must repent. We must turn from our sins, large and small. We must consider our ways and ask the Lord to search us and repent from anything he brings to mind. How does the fear of the Lord fit into repenting? Well, we saw it a few seconds ago in Proverbs 16, which says, One turns from evil by the fear of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, as I've mentioned before, I believe the Lord has his church right now in a place of repentance, turning away from sin and worldliness and turning to him. Healing comes when we do that. Healing comes to our land when our leaders do that. So let's pray for our leaders to repent. Let's pray for our government leaders and our spiritual leaders. Great protection will come on our cities, states, and countries when we and our leaders turn to God in the fear of the Lord. I'll close with Isaiah chapter 2 verse 5 says house of Jacob come and let us walk in the Lord's light verse 11 the pride of mankind will be humbled and human loftiness will be brought low the Lord alone will be exalted on that day for a day belonging to the Lord of armies is coming against all that is proud and lofty against all that is lifted up it will be humbled the pride of mankind will be brought low and human loftiness will be humbled the Lord alone will be exalted on that day the idols will vanish completely people will go into caves in the rocks and hold in the ground away from the terror of the Lord and from his majestic splendor when he rises to terrify that earth. On that day, people will throw their silver and gold idols, which they made to worship, to the moles and the bats. So God is going to humble the pride of mankind and all of human loftiness. And when that happens, when the world is terrified, Isaiah says they will throw away their idols and turn to the Lord. Is that what God is doing now? Maybe. What should we being doing right now, we should be repenting of our sins and embracing and walking in the fear of the Lord, because my brothers and sisters, in that is life. Now, let's read Leviticus chapter 4, verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, tell the Israelites, when someone sins unintentionally against any of the Lord's commands and does anything prohibited by them, if the anointed priest sins, bringing guilt on the people, he is to present to the Lord a young, unblemished bull as a sin offering for the sin he has committed. He is to bring the bull to the entrance of the tent of meeting before the Lord, lay his hand on the bull's head, and slaughter it before the Lord. The anointed priest will then take some of the bull's blood and bring it into the tent of meeting. The priest is to dip his finger in the blood and sprinkle some of it seven times before the Lord in front of the curtain of the sanctuary. The priest is to apply some of the blood to the horns of the altar of fragrant incense that is before the Lord in the tent of meeting. He must pour out the rest of the bull's blood at the base of the altar of burnt offering that is at the entrance to the tent of meeting. He is to remove all the fat from the bull of the sin offering. The fat surrounding the entrails, all the fat that is on the entrails, and the two kidneys with the fat on them at the loins. He is, will also remove the fatty lobe of the liver with the kidneys, just as the fat is removed from the ox of the fellowship sacrifice. The priest is to burn them on the altar of burnt offering, but the hide of the bull and all its flesh with its head and legs and its entrails and waist, all the rest of the bull, he must bring to a ceremonially clean place outside the camp to the ash heap and must burn it on a wood fire. It is to be burned at the ash heap. 
When a leader sins and unintentionally violates any of the commands of the Lord his God by doing what is prohibited and incurs guilt, or someone informs him about the sin he has committed, he is to bring an unblemished male goat as his offering. He is to lay his hand on the head of the goat and slaughter it at the place where the burnt offering is slaughtered before the Lord. It is a sin offering. Then the priest is to take some of the blood from the sin offering with his finger and apply it to the horns of the altar of burnt offering. The rest of the blood he is to pour out at the base of the altar of burnt offering. He must burn all its fat on the altar like the fat of the fellowship sacrifice. In this way, the priest will make atonement on his behalf for that person's sin and he will be forgiven. Now, if any of the common people sins unintentionally by violating one of the Lord's commands, does what is prohibited and incurs guilt, or if someone informs him about the sin he has committed, then he is to bring an unblemished female goat as his offering for the sin that he has committed. He is to lay his hand on the head of the sin offering and slaughter it at the place of the burnt offering. Then the priest is to take some of its blood with his finger and apply it to the horns of the altar of burnt offering. He is to pour out the rest of its blood at the base of the altar. He is to remove all its fat just as the fat is removed from the fellowship sacrifice. The priest is to burn it on the altar as a pleasing aroma to the Lord. In this way, the priest will make atonement on his behalf and he will be forgiven. Or if the offering that he brings as a sin offering is a lamb, he is to bring an unblemished female. He is to lay his hand on the head of the sin offering and slaughter it as a sin offering at the place where the burnt offering is slaughtered. Then the priest is to take some of the blood of the sin offering with his finger and apply it to the horns of the altar of burnt offering. He is to pour out the rest of its blood at the base of the altar. He is to remove all its fat, and just as the fat of the lamb is removed from the fellowship sacrifice, the priest will burn it on the altar along with the fire offerings to the Lord. In this way, the priest will make atonement on his behalf for the sin he has committed, and he will be forgiven. Psalm chapter 1. Verse 1. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. The wicked are not like this. Instead, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand up in judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. Psalm chapter 2. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand, and the rulers conspire together against the Lord and his anointed one. Let's tear off their chains and throw their ropes off of us. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord ridicules them. Then he speaks to them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath. I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will declare the Lord's decree. He said to me, You are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance and the ends of the earth are your possession. You will break them with an iron scepter and you will shatter them like pottery. So now, kings, be wise. Receive instruction, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with reverential awe and rejoice with trembling. Pay homage to the sun or he will be angry and you will perish in your rebellion. For his anger may ignite at any moment. All who take refuge in him are happy. Proverbs 19 verse 1. Better a poor person who lives with integrity than someone who has deceitful lips and is a fool. Even zeal is not good without knowledge and the one who acts hastily sins. A person's own foolishness leads him astray, yet his heart rages against the Lord. Wealth attracts many friends, but a poor person is separated 
separated from his friend. A false person witness will not go unpunished, and one who utters lies will not escape. Many seek a ruler's favor, and everyone is a friend of one who gives gifts. All the brothers of a poor person hate him, and how much more do his friends keep their distance from him? He may pursue them with words, but they are not there. The one who acquires good sense loves himself. One who safeguards understanding finds success. A false witness will not go unpunished, and one who utters lies perishes. Luxury is not appropriate for a fool, how much less for a slave to rule over princes. A person's insight gives him patience, and his virtue is to overlook an offense. A king's rage is like the roaring of a lion, but his favor is like dew on the grass. A foolish son is his father's ruin, and a wife's nagging is an endless drip. A house and wealth are inherited from fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. Laziness induces deep sleep, and a lazy person will go hungry. The one who keeps commands preserves himself, and one who disregards his ways will die. Kindness to the poor is a loan to the Lord, and he will give a reward to the lender. Discipline your son while there is hope. Don't set your heart on being the cause of his death. A person with intense anger bears the penalty. If you rescue him, you'll have to do it again. Listen to counsel and receive instruction so that you may be wise later in life. Many plans are in a person's heart, but the Lord's decree will prevail. What is desirable in a person is his fidelity. Better to be a poor person than a liar. The fear of the Lord leads to life. One will sleep at night without danger. The slacker buries his hand in the bowl. He doesn't even bring it back to his mouth. Strike a mocker and the inexperienced learn a lesson. Rebuke the discerning and he gains knowledge. The one who plunders his father and evicts his mother is a disgraceful and shameful son. If you stop listening to my correction, my son, you will stray from the words of knowledge. A worthless witness mocks justice and a wicked mouth swallows iniquity. Judgments are prepared for mockers and beatings for the backs of fools. Colossians chapter 2 verse 1, For I want you to know how greatly I am struggling for you, for those in Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me in person. I want their hearts to be encouraged and joined together in love so that they may have all the riches of complete understanding and have the knowledge of God's mystery, Christ. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I'm saying this so that no one will deceive you with arguments that sound reasonable. For I may be absent in body, but I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see how well ordered you are and the strength of your faith in Christ. So then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, being rooted and built up in him and established in the faith just as you were taught and overflowing with gratitude. Be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human traditions, based on the elements of the world, rather than Christ. For the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ, and you have been filled by him who is the head over every ruler and authority. You are also circumcised in him with a circumcision not done with hands by putting off the body of flesh in the circumcision of Christ, when you were buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. And when you were dead in trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive with him and forgave us all our trespasses. He erased the certificate of debt with all its obligations that was against us and opposed to us, and has taken it away by nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and the authorities and disgraced them publicly. He triumphed over them in him. Therefore, don't let 
anyone judge you in regard to food and drink or in the matter of a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of what was to come. The substance is Christ. Let no one condemn you by delighting in ascetic practices in the worship of angels, claiming access to a visionary realm. Such people are inflated by empty notions of their unspiritual mind. He doesn't hold on to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and held together by its ligaments and tendons, grows with growth from God. If you died to Christ, to the elements of this world, why do you live as if you still belong to the world? Why do you just submit to its regulations? Don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. All these regulations refer to what is destined to perish by being used up. They are human commands and doctrines. Although these have a reputation for wisdom by promoting self-made religion, false humility, and severe treatment of the body, they are not of any value in curbing self-indulgence. Well, brothers and sisters, I hope and pray that the Word of God has built you up and encouraged, challenged, exhorted, and edified you today and me also. May the Lord bless us and keep us. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Good day and Godspeed.